We're the deacons. Oh, <laughs> I'm no deacon. <laughs> Maybe We're you're the deacon. deacons. Aren't, aren't the deacons like the best? It's like the best covert job to stay out of like the sanctuary and just hang out and talk. Yeah, because I mean, yes, because you have like a, a legitimate reason to be like lurking. Yeah, and most churches have a deacon's room. So they're just chilling back there. The did we have room. a deacon's room? We did not have a deacon's room. Okay, because I don't remember a deacon's room anywhere. No, but a lot of churches do. That sounds like, like a place where some shady things probably go down. It, it's basically where husbands don't want to sit in the church with their spouses and they just <laughs> kind of like are hanging out with each other. <laughs> Welcome back, Sinners and Saints. I am Michael, and I'm here with... And I'm Kumar. Sometimes you wonder if which one is which. I am the Christian. Let's just be very, very... Clear. Yeah, but that's not synonymous with saints. Let's just say that. <laughs> Tell the people what they're listening to. This is Church for Atheists. We are back. A little delayed. This is episode three of season two. Yeah, I'm super excited. Bro, I haven't, like, talked to you at all. Like, you and I talk, like numerous times during the week and this has been like total stone silence for michael it has no it's not just for me you've been super busy too so it is it has been really bad i missed you i'm so happy to see your face thank you i felt like we broke up yes except i mean with no hard feelings (laughs) i i hope not so yeah i'm super excited to be here today and let's get into the lobby Oh, so we're in the lobby, but now I feel like I want to talk about the pre-lobby talk. Like, when was the last time you broke up with somebody? And then what kind of breakup person are you? Are you like a crier and (laughs) like completely like (laughs) despondent? Yeah, the last time I broke up with somebody was close to 23 years ago. Uh And um, I, I, I am a terrible break up person so I this is my rule with breaking up I tell everybody when you break somebody break up with somebody I always say if you're gonna break up you have to make a deal with that person to say you're not gonna have any contact with them for one month why because they're weak-minded people like me and so (laughs) like I'm like um I want to break up with you and then like you like start calling you're texting you're seeing each other at social functions you're like I miss you oh you're and so, so ridiculous. So you need like a full month to be like no contact whatsoever so you can like move on. Now, this is the question. Are you friends with everybody you've broken up with? I'm friends with everybody I've broken up with. They're yeah, not that's necess- a good sign. They're not necessarily friends with me. What? <laughs> so I, no, so that doesn't count. No, I, I, no, no. Are you mutual friends with everybody you've broken up with? Most of them. Most of them. Okay. One of them has... Um, once we broke up, she just disappeared. She was like, I never want to see you again. I'm done with you. And so I still stalk her on Facebook. You you broke her heart and now you're stalking her. Yeah. So we, we're, we're not friends on Facebook and she's never like tried to be my friend on Facebook, but I do kind of keep tabs on her. But uh, from everybody else, I think that it's, it's pretty much mutually fine, I suppose. Yeah. How about you? Well, I mean, I, well, this is going to be, so this is like an early confession. I, I broken up. I haven't broken up with anybody that I'm not. So I, my current wife of 20 years almost is the only relationship I've ever been in. We met when we were like, not even adults. Uh, yeah. You guys were teenagers, right? Yeah. So she was, I was 17. She was 15 and a half, 16. She was 16. And was it like a, 
Was it like a arranged marriage? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it was. You know how we do in the Caribbean? We just like, <laughs> no, no, we met in college in America. Uh, she was a sophomore, I was a freshman, and we have been together ever since. And hold on, no, 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 no. What? She was a soft. She was in college, and she was fifteen years old. Oh, it's like Doogie Howser. She, we've had this conversation already. <laughs> the people don't want to hear this. But yes, she started college really early. She started college at 14. Um, but she, so so that's not the point. The point is we've been together since, but we've have had, we've had one breakup. Like we broke up like two or three weeks after we got together the first time. It was like a big dramatic, like, you know, fight on the way back from a trip. And then I was like, well, I don't think this is going to work. <laughs> But then, you know, clearly, clearly last. 20 years later. And the reason why it didn't work is because you didn't give her a month off. <laughs> I'm going to tell her that what you're suggesting is that I should have taken a month off and then we wouldn't have been together now. You know, you and I have a mutual friend who for the last 20 years, they spend pretty much summers apart. And I feel like that's really a strengthening portion of marriage. In some ways, I think in in many ways, sometimes just being away from each other helps strengthen the relationship. I could see that in some, well, for some people, but I never want to be away from her. Yeah, I'm the same way. I don't want to be away from my spouse either. I would definitely like to exchange that time and be away from my kids. <laughs> exactly. That would be a different thing. But even that, I don't want to be away from them either. But I mean, but I but I could I could still I could see a world in which if people's personalities were different, I would need a break. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and and a summer off would be great. Exactly. Speaking of summer, it's coming up. Do you guys have summer plans? So we actually have today plans. Um, we are heading off to the beach. Today? You know. Yeah, like at, right after recording. We're just going for a change of scenery. Because, nice. you know, we're not fans of this mid-Atlantic beach situation, being that we're from places with real beaches. However, <laughs> it's a different view. <laughs> it's a change of scenery. So I have been really stressed at work. So I took the week off. I'm going to try to disconnect. And the wife and kids, we're all going to try to disconnect. So we're going, um, leaving today and we're coming back on Friday. That's awesome. But nonetheless, it's probably time for us to move into the sanctuary, unless you have any other gossip you want to share. I don't feel like going into the sanctuary. Don't go into the sanctuary. Let's hang out then. You know what we could do? We could be those people (laughs) that the whole, the service starts and we're still outside talking. We're the deacons. Oh, (laughs) I'm no deacon. <laughs> Maybe We're you're the deacon. deacons. Aren't, aren't the deacons like the best? It's like the best covert job to stay out of like the sanctuary and just hang out and talk. Yeah, because I mean, yes, because you have like a, a legitimate reason to be like lurking. Yeah, and most churches have a deacon's room. So they're just chilling back there. The did we have room. a deacon's room? We did not have a deacon's room. Okay, because I don't remember a deacon's room anywhere. No, but a lot of churches do. That sounds like, like a place where some shady things probably go down. It, it's basically where husbands don't want to sit in the church with their spouses and they just <laughs> kind of like are hanging out <laughs> with each other. All people are making out with their, you know, church girlfriends. No, that's that's in the youth room. But we talked <laughs> about that before. So, all right, let's go into the sanctuary. Fine, into the sanctuary we go. Look at you, so zen. I feel so, so reluctant at peace now that I'm in the sanctuary. <laughs> I feel so great. Well, bring us into bring us into the mood. Give us. I'm assuming you have an opening prayer for us. I do. I'm so excited to share an opening prayer with you. Um, 
this is something that I kind of stumbled upon this week and listen very carefully because I think it's so great. Are you ready? Um, are you insinuating that I don't generally listen? No, I'm just insinuating that you need to listen very carefully. Okay, so carefully. Until the lion learns how to write, every story will glorify the hunter. See, I didn't need to listen that carefully to that. That's awesome. And so true. And I get it right away. <laughs> yeah, it's an African proverb. And I, I love it. You know, it's, yes, it's, it's amazing. It's, it really is. I mean, I think that we need to have a diverse we need to have more diversity of thoughts and, and more diversity of other people's writings in particular. Yeah, in every area. I think, I mean, in your work life, in, you know, public policy, in education, just in religion. Yes. Um, I think that it's so, so vital. So why did that speak to you so much this week? It, it spoke to me for a couple of reasons. One is I'm writing a, a uh, op-ed blog post. Sometimes once a month, once or twice a year, I'll write a little thing called an open letter to pastors, and everybody mm -hmm. gets excited because I'm like really trashing pastors for what they're currently doing. Yet you're not really. Yeah, well, I've, I mean, I've seen it. It's not that like saving. Really? People love it. People. Love I know. I'm not saying. I'm not saying they don't love it. I'm saying it's not like you're not like poo pooing them like in a harsh way. <laughs> well, this time I am. Okay, fine. Tell and me this, how. This, well, and the 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 article will come out probably before this podcast comes out. But it's um, basically the idea that in last weekend I listened to three different sermons mm -hmm. because you know I'm a sermon junkie, mm -hmm. and in all three sermons, Michael, the pastors quoted three people. Get ready for it. Mm -hmm. Brene Brown. Mm -hmm. Sarah Bessie, who's a popular Christian author. Okay. Um, and Anne Lamont. Who's Anne who's, Lamont? Anne Lamont is like a, a another kind of like Brene Brown type. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, and I was like, wow, this is hilarious that all three sermons like quoted one of these three women, if not two of them in the same sermon. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yay, pastor for checking off the check mark and saying I quoted a woman in my sermon. And, you know, one of the things that's kind of been bothering me is that as I listen to a lot of sermons, it's like very much from a Caucasian woman's point of view. And as much as I love Brene Brown, um, I think that one of the things that's missing, especially in like evangelical Christianity, is um, women of color and their voices, brown and black women, mm -hmm. uh, indigent women. Uh, and there's there's so many voices out there right now that are saying incredible things. So um, my, my, my blog is really about pastors, great job. I give you your little golden star for quoting a woman in your sermon. But why don't we hear a little bit more from brown and black voices? Because they also, especially when it comes to like the Bible and the gospel, they shine an entirely different view, a viewpoint that other people are never going to see because of their own mm -hmm. unique experiences. Mm -hmm. And I, just as an example, if I can just keep going on my... No, keep going. I'm loving it. Is like probably 30 years ago, we got comfortable with feminist theology. Mm -hmm. And there are some really great feminists out there who wrote, you know, like Phyllis Tickle is one of them. Like just wrote fantastic things that we never saw from a man's point of view when we read the read the Bible. And what is interesting 
is probably in the last 15 years, there's a new kind of um, train that's called womanist theology. And mm-hmm. that's um, women of color and their point of view of the gospel. And I feel like, you know, people don't really understand that, you know, women of color have a whole different perspective of understanding the Bible through their own lens. So mm-hmm. I say all of that because, you know, as I read this, you know, this quote, I was like, wow, everybody needs a seat at the table. And not only do they need to have a seat at the table, but they need to be heard around the table. Yes, because often, you know, I think the more progressive groups do have, you know, or do give people a seat at the table, but whether or not they're heard is a whole different story. So good. Well, you see, I love how passionate you are about that. I am very passionate. Thank you. (laughs) Now, let me test you. Are there specific brown and black women that you think you would want you if you were preaching today? Who would you be quoting? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked. It's almost like we practiced this, did we? Oh, wait, no, hold on. You actually have people in mind? I really was trying to catch you off guard. <laughs> of course I do. What? How are you going to be like, oh, you don't know, you don't know nothing. Oh, I mean, there's so many people that are like that. Okay, go for it. Okay, uh, a couple people. Should I say only women or should I say men? Um. Well, we, t- we were talking about women of color, so let's do yeah. women. Okay, so are you familiar with Heather Thompson Day? No. Her you can on, assume I'm not familiar with any of these people. <laughs> follow her on on Twitter. Uh-huh. Uh, she's a theologian and has like really fantastic, you know, um, commentary about um, contemporary as well as biblical um, comments. Okay. Um, someone named Kat Armas is another one who okay. you should be listening to. Another one, Erica Singh. Um, Indian. S-I-N-G-H? S-I-N-G-H, S-I-N-G-H. Okay, go ahead, Erica. Yeah, and and see, some of these women don't have books. Mm -hmm. So you have to follow them on Twitter to to really read what their commentary is. And I wonder why they don't have books. They're probably not, nobody's seeking their voice. Exactly. Um, Quintina Robertson Mm -hmm. is another one. And then Larissa Hawkins, Dr. Larissa Hawkins is another one. Oh, look at you. I mean, you just had a list just like right off the top. Well, I told you, I just was writing a blog about it. So it's fresh in my mind. Well, right. But I mean, I feel like you rattled those off like nothing. Well, not I'm, talk about it in advance. So that's super impressive. Well, I want to tell you, I just related to all of this. I was just talking to a friend of mine about another friend's book. And this friend said, yeah, but they self-published it. And, you know, it's not legit. And I was like, I got so mad. I was like, they self-published it because publications and publishers are racist and they don't care about their voice. And so... There is a whole new line of people who are like self-publishing amazing works and we need to be able to hear their voice, even though like the Zondervans of the world Mm -hmm. or Sparrow Publishing, McCall, you Mm -hmm. racist Christian evangelical publishing houses out, you know, they have like, they have voices (laughs) that need to be heard. It's, it's, I'm serious, man. You are on fire today. (laughs) I know. So thank you. Let's so let's maybe bring it back to something a little more soothing. Yes. <laughs> in the, when we think about the opening prayer, because you definitely got riled up, which I love. I mean, that was, I love that was a wrath, That was a wrathful prayer. Yes. <laughs> activist prayer, Kumar was very a, very hot today. A prayer of indignation. Sometimes you have to pray pray with a little anger. I think. Yeah. Yeah. 
So yes. So let's let's <laughs> recap. I see you getting nervous. You're like, <laughs> yes. Let's bring it what? back to something that people can walk away with thinking. Hmm. I'll think about this this week. Until the lion learns how to write, every story will glorify the hunter. I mean, really, African proverbs for the win. Now, can I just add one other quote? <laughs> sure. Since is it gonna is it like fiery or is it comedy? <laughs> <laughs> it's on the same line, but this this okay. one's by Mark Twain. Okay, go for okay. it. And that is because I think this is really important. And that is the man who does not read has no advantage over the man who cannot read. The man who does not read has, has no, no advantage, advantage over the man who cannot read. Oh, yeah. got it. Well, thank you for closing out that very lovely opening prayer segment about <laughs> needing to listen and highlight, you know, voices of color with the voice of an old white man. <laughs> very, very appropriate. This is how it goes. <laughs> on that note, let's move on into our next segment, which is our opening song. Opening and so, song. Yes, our opening song today. So our opening song this this episode actually is by one of my favorite groups. Really, the fact that they call themselves a group, I mean, we all know that it's Adam. But Maroon 5, <laughs> lead singer Adam Levine, and Memories, one of my favorite songs. So take it away, Kumar. Let's get a listen. Here's to the ones that we got. Cheers to the wish you were here, but you're not Cause the drinks bring back all the memories Of everything we've been through Toast to the ones here today Toast to the ones that we lost on the way Cause the drinks bring back all the memories And the memories bring back, memories bring back your There's a time that I remember When I did not know no pain When I believed in forever And everything would stay the same now my heart feel like December When somebody say your day Cause I can't reach out to call you But I know I will one day hey. Everybody hurts sometimes Everybody hurts someday hey, hey. But everything gon' be alright Gonna raise a glass and say hey. Here's to the ones that we got Cheers to the wish you were here, but you're not Cause the dreams bring back all the memories Of everything we've been through Toast to the ones here today Toast to the ones that we lost on the way Cause the dreams bring back all the memories And the memories bring back, memories bring back your Can I tell you, like there's two things I think about Adam Levine. One, he's like the most sexiest man alive. I just love him. He's he like, is pretty close to it, yes. <laughs> and secondly, I, I, I like him. I've loved him until I watched him on The Voice for like 20 seasons. Really? Why? Yeah, and now I don't like him. Like, I don't like his personality. So, what did like, he do? I feel like he, <laughs> nothing about his personality to me was jarring on The Voice. Of course, caveat. I have not watched more than maybe one season okay, of The Voice. Okay. Yeah. But like, why is he annoying to you? First season he was good, and then after that I just feel like he's kind of like, he, there's there's like this Jimmy Kimmel vibe about, about him, and I hate Jimmy Kimmel. So. You're not saying anything that makes sense. <laughs> just, just like, 
he you knows reference saved. another person. You need to say exactly what is, what is the problem. He knows he's cute. He knows he's smart. He knows he's uh, he's you know talented, and so it's just one of those like, bro, like you're. And he tries and he he tries to act like he's unaware that he's like so amazing, but it just comes out. Yes, I'm jealous. I'm this jealous. Was like, okay? It just sounds like I'm you're jealous. jealous. I'm like, so he's just. So would you prefer that he acts like? I mean, like like arrogant? I I don't know what you're asking of Adam. You leave Adam alone. Why'd you choose the song? Adam is very sweet. I don't know. I was listening, so I was actually mixing up my um. You know, I have a shower playlist, and so I, <laughs> and so, <laughs> so this week I actually for my shower playlist I hit shuffle mm-hmm. and just in the entire song catalog, and I hadn't heard the song in forever, and I love the song, and so it just kind of brought back the time when I was really, really into it and was playing back to back. And Adam's voice is so kind of soothing. And it's one of those songs that I feel like you could clearly apply it to multiple different situations, whether you're missing someone or someone died and you haven't seen them in forever, or it could be, I mean, about just nothing in particular. I think it kind of fits, it fits just lots of different situations and it could just strike you in a place that you can't articulate with words. And what 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 does it mean to you? Because you just said it could have a lot of different meanings. But for you, yeah. as you listened to it this week, what did what was the takeaway for you? To me, it was really more about friendship and having good times with friends. So like I really, really miss like all of the kind of in-person interactions that I, you know, that pre-pandemic we would have with the people that are, you know, closest to us. Like I miss not being able to like see you and hug you and like all my friends and family. So I think it was more kind of channeling that for me in a very vague subconscious way. So it wasn't like I was in the shower crying about it, but I, (laughs) (laughs) but, 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 you know, it was definitely, (laughs) it it was a song about memories and, you know, Adam, Adam, (laughs) Adam. No, you see, you're back to Adam. I feel like you're a little obsessed. <laughs> I do love me some Adam, but they're, they're, I'm I'm confused by Adam. Let me tell you why. Okay, like I, I, he does have like one of the best voices in yep. in yep. pop music, but then at the same time, like, should anyone's voice be that high? It is so high. Like that's not natural. <laughs> that's not so natural. Like you know how like when Ariana Grande or Mariah sing that whistle tone? Yeah, that's Adam's like singing voice. Yes, yes, yes. he is yeah. very high. Yeah. And and you know me, I like to try to sing along. Like I sing along <laughs> just with any song. And then you can't yeah. like, no. you're like, wait, hold on. No, yeah. sir, you're he, way. Even in high. falsetto, you can't even sing yeah, that no. right? <laughs> Like I'm going to take it a couple octaves below <laughs> so that you can follow along. Yeah. It's yeah. No, I love Maroon 5 and I love, I, I love old Maroon 5 and I love old Maroon 5 videos. I thought they were really, really good. And now that they've become kind of more um, popularized in, in culture, you know, mm-hmm. like Maroon 5 was one of those groups that like I only knew about. When was that? Like 15 years ago. Everybody knew about Maroon 5 15 years ago. No, no. It, it, same with, uh, same with um, Gwen Stefani. I knew, I knew Gwen Stefani before anyone knew about her because she was dating an Indian guy. And so all of Indians knew who Gwen Stefani was. <laughs> you mean like way back in like when she was into ska music? Yeah, yeah. Her well, face. But everybody her knew her then. Was, no, no. 
Oh, no. good lord! <laughs> no, her her bassist was Indian, and so we I, all we know this. Yes, we all we all knew. You know, <laughs> and what was our group called? Gwen Stefani. Mm-hmm. Are you asking me because you don't know, or because? Um, you... excuse me, I'm testing your knowledge. Oh God! What's the group? You know, you're googling it. No doubt. Do you call no I didn't doubt. have to look it up. It's called no doubt. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just saying that to say all this talk about oh, you've known people <laughs> before anybody else has known them, and you can't even remember basic information. We should do a show on just like Hollywood gossip because I do not like her and Blake Shelton together. But we'll have to talk about that another time. Why don't you have all of these feelings? I do. I have very strong feelings. Anyway. Great clearly. song. I love the opening song. It's beautiful. Okay. Yeah. Are you so ready for our, our, our confession wheel? Ooh, confession wheel. Yeah. You want to go confession. first? Well, it's ours. Not just confession, remember. I feel like you're not committing to our season two plan. <laughs> I told you we have to come up with a name. But for right now, I'm calling it the confession wheel. But there are other things other than confessions. Okay, fine. It doesn't matter. So go ahead. Remind the people what all it could be. Confession. It can be a prayer request or it could be like a real seedy, gossipy thing about you. Okay. <laughs> you said that oh. and you sounded like a porn star. <laughs> seedy. <laughs> Alrighty. Spin the wheel. All right, here we go. Michael, you're up. It lands. (laughs) What did it land on? It landed on confession. Okay, fine. Um, So I actually have been trying to prepare a confession just because, you know, it's really difficult for me to like think of one. I was like, I am going to dig deep. And I get confession this week. I'm going to actually try to think of something that's like awful. So listen to this. So I don't know if I told you, but I've kind of started having almost weekly massages. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's not the confession, but that's like the background. Okay, Okay. So I discovered like this amazing massage therapist Let's call him Bob. I mean, so good. Mm-hmm. Bob is Pakistani <laughs> and like magical hands. I mean, I have had many massage therapists, but like, I mean, I'm willing to like give him my house and my car keys and just say, do whatever you want with me. It is so good. Bro, so, I've never heard of a Pakistani or, or even South Asian male massage therapist. This is like my second one. Okay. Remember I told you about the other one I had? His name was Tom, which actually was his name. But anyway, (laughs) Bob is not this one's name. So anyway, so I've been going like pretty much three times a month at least. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so Bev finally, you know, wanted to like jump in on the massage game. And then I was like, okay, I mean, I'll hook you up. And so like I called the massage place and I was going to like schedule her an appointment. And so she she wanted to go the same time that I was going. So she wouldn't have to drive. So already I'm like, oh, oh my. But that means that you're not going to get Bob and so, she's going to take Bob from you. So, so uh, no, she's not. So that's my <laughs> confession. So I, so I call and then... And then they actually asked me, so so for your wife, do you want her to try um, your massage therapist since you like him so much? I said, no. <laughs> I said, so who, who, is there somebody you have in mind? You can give her 
whoever the other <laughs> because I'm gonna have Bob. That and is so wrong. I mean, if it was not at the same time, I would have introduced her to Bob, but no. Yeah. yeah. So we went at the same time. She had a random other person, Isabel, mm-hmm. who she liked. Mm-hmm. And I selfishly held on to Bob. So that's my confession. That is I'm a mean selfish. confession. You totally like did your wife wrong, Matt. No, please. She she wouldn't want him anyway. He's a bit chatty. Oh, is he? He's a bit yeah. chatty. And I don't, would typically like a quiet massage, mm-hmm. but his hands are so magical. Yeah. It does not matter. I will talk to him just so that he can do what he needs to do. And and I know that she would not allow for she that would. She would. But I told her afterwards, that she's like, no, I was like, I have zero. She said she she's had exchanged four words with her massage therapist the entire hour. And it was, yes, <laughs> thank you. More. And good. <laughs> that is hilarious. Well, good on you for getting massages, first of all. I mean, yes. really, self-care is so important. Yes, it's changed my life. And especially with all that's happening in your life and your studies and work. And oh, yeah. yes. so I'm, I'm proud of you, man. All right, let me click the wheel. All righty, go for it. Here we go. Prayer request. Oh, you got a really good one. Okay, fine. I'm not going to be jealous. Because <laughs> you always have a confession. So, well, I, There's always confessions, but I do have a prayer request. And this is like kind of gossipy prayer request. Oh, those are the best kind. Yeah. Well, nobody cares but me, but you'll, you'll, do you know I got an MRI last week? Yes, I know. Okay. So I went and <laughs> got MRI. I saw- we, we haven't been talking much, but we've been talking much to know. <laughs> to know enough about that. Yeah. So I, I had four different doctor's appointments last week and one of them ended up going into an MRI. And so I had the oh, MRI for my shoulder. Okay. This Can you say, say, that, you. say that again louder because I want our listener to hear that you think I'm a hypochondriac. Do you find out what actually is the problem? Say Nothing it. is wrong with you, but okay. go ahead. So I had, I had went to the MRI, came back. I talked to my um, orthopedist this week and he said, I have a tear in my shoulder. It's called a slap tear. Mm-hmm. And um, there's nothing that can be done. Are you going to die? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe with pain. Maybe Maybe. With pain. <laughs> but the slap, yeah, I can't like move my shoulder. I can't use it. And so... Um, he's like, you basically have a slap tear and you also have like frozen shoulder, like pretty bad. So he's like, if we do surgery, I can go in, repair the slap tear and clean out some of the frozen shoulder and make it much better. So I'm like, okay, when can we do that? He's like, whenever. And he's like, it's going to be three weeks in a sling and at least three months of recovery with PT. I'm like, bro, this is the summer now. I'm not putting myself in a sling. You see, this is exactly the sign of you being a hypochondriac because if this was real and you cared about it, you wouldn't mind doing this because you'd need to fix it. No, I'm just like, give me some oxy for like the next few months and then I'll deal with it when I I, I can. He did not give you oxy. <laughs> he, did, he did not. Listener, <laughs> listen to me, listener. He did not. Oh, good. But so, yeah, so my prayer request is just help me to, 
I'm in, I'm in, I'm in chronic pain right now, you know, with, with all my other issues, but also my, my, my shoulders. I'm sorry. I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> so, and then on top of that, for me to help discern when's the best time to get my, um, to get my surgery, because, you know, my daughter's graduating from high school. Um, I, I need to be able to like have a, a party for her. I have to be the one to like set up the tables and everything. How am I gonna do that with one arm? And then we're going on vacation this summer. Like I don't wanna be walking around like with, a, you know, in a nice vacation spot with a sling in my arm. Listener, I feel like he has his priorities all wrong. First of all, having to wear a sling for a few weeks does not mean that you're just going to be an invalid for the rest of the year. <laughs> that's, that's number one. And number two, if at this rate, if you keep putting it out, there's going to be something else in the that's fall. True. There's going to be something. Yeah. Then you're not going to want to do it for Christmas. That's and then true. we'll be right back here next spring. Yeah. Yeah. I may get it done. So oh. stay tuned. I will stay tuned. And you want us to pray for you to have what exactly discernment discernment a fancy word yes discernment and and, pain. and relief from pain please without please. narcotics well i didn't i'm not you know you're not committing not, to that no i mean however god chooses to provide the the, the pain-free <laughs> experience i'm fine with but no but on a serious note how much pain are you in right now one to ten uh, i'm six just day in, day out. Mm -hmm. And then if I move the arm in any way, like like the other day, this is such a stupid story, but the other day, and my wife was watching me do it, I was taking off my socks. And you know how you take the sock off like from the toe? Like I never do that, but I just like flung it like really hard. Like I don't take, take the sock off from the well, toe, but okay. I mean, I take it off to the ankle, to the heel, and then I flung it and I did it with my bad arm. It was almost, <laughs> it was like, it was horrible. It like buoyed me and it pulled my shoulder out. And I was like yelping. It was awful. So just small things like that just You're makes it horrible. Man. I am. I am. Uh oh, I really, well, really no, am. that makes me feel bad for you. Hey, let's, let's go into the sermon. I heard there's an amazing speaker today. Ah, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. Yes. A well, celebrity, probably one of the best speakers we've had on the pod. Ever. Ever. Yes. Very yes. engaging. So the Very sermon insightful. today, sermon today comes from none other than Kumar Dixit yourself. Dr. Kumar Dixit. Thank you for reminding the listener that yes, I am a doctor. Yeah, so I am um, going to give the sermon. In fact, Michael, every week on uh, my Constitution Minister Facebook page, um, I do a prayer time for like my one or two followers. And I usually give like a little thought. And so um, I shared it and I want to share that same thought with you. So I recorded that thought on, on Facebook Live. And here's a little listen um, of what I had to say about resiliency. I want to share with you, I, I read a book uh, about a month ago called The Road to Joy by Kevin McClone. This is probably, it's, it's called Eight Pathways of Psycho-Spiritual Transformation, and it is probably one of the best books I've read this year on spirituality and psychology. And I just emailed him and asked if I could interview him for a podcast, but I did write a um, book review on this book that you can find on Amazon. But um, one of the things that I've often said over the years when people say, you know, like, what are, what are your great qualities? 
um, you know, if you're in an interview or if you're in a church board meeting, like, what are your great qualities? What is it about you that makes you special? And one of the things that I've always kind of believed about myself, I've always used the word, um, I'm a very resilient person. It doesn't matter how bad things have been, I'm going to bounce back up. Um, it doesn't matter how horrible things are, I just kind of believe things are going to get better. And I was reading this book, and he has a whole piece on a Harvard study, the Center for Developing Child at Harvard, about um, just this very topic of resilience. Why are some children able to um, bounce back and have a horrible, horrible life, and yet they're able to like bounce back? And you know, these are the people that we write, write movies about. These are the people who write books. These are the people that. Um, you're so inspired because they had such a terrible childhood and yet they're able to be resilient and bounce back. But at, at the same time, why are there people who have the same similar experiences where they've had a terrible childhood, but they end up in prison or they end up in foster care system or they end up using you know drugs or illicit drugs? And so what is the issue that makes a person different? I want to just read a, a paragraph to you that, that he says. He says, resilience depends on supportive, responsive relationships and mastering a set of capabilities that can help us respond and adapt to adversity in healthy ways. It's those capabilities relationships that can turn toxic stress into tolerable stress. When confronted with the fallout of childhood trauma, why do some children adapt and overcome while others bear lifelong scars that flatten their potential? A growing body of evidence points to one common answer. Okay, listen to this. Every child who winds up doing well has had at least one stable and committed relationship with a supportive adult. Um, when I think about my life and all the trauma and the craziness that I went through, um, I didn't have one supportive adult. I mean, I had at least a dozen over the last um, my, my formative years that really believed in me and really gave me the support. I think immediately of Pastor Greg Taylor, my youth pastor, who just actually went and met with my parents privately and asked if he and his wife could adopt me and get me out of like my, my terrible home. And these are people who just believed in me and, and loved me you know, no matter what. And then he goes on to say this sentence that I think is so clear um, and, and, and riveting. He says, research has shown that resilience is ordinary, not extraordinary. I want you to think about that sentence. Research has shown that resilience is ordinary, not extraordinary. So in other words, um, resilience is something that each one of us has. Resilience is something that we all can actually grow out of, especially if we have a support system. So I want you to think about two things today. Um, growing up in your life, who were the people that supported you and believed you in you and never gave up on you? And I want to give you a task today to actually write them an email or a Facebook post, private message, and just say, you were the one person in my formative years that believed in me. And because of that, I'm able to like have a, a healthy, normal adult relationship for my own life. So Dr. Dixon, that was amazing. Well, first of all, it was nice. It was short and sweet. And where can the people hear the the this um, video blog that you do? Yeah. So if for the three people left who are on Facebook, um, mm -hmm. I do a Facebook live. They're all over 60. 
They are. And <laughs> it's, uh, it's on the Facebook. And you can find me on the Concierge Minister on Facebook. And then if you also just go on YouTube and type in Concierge Minister, a lot of this stuff is on there as well. Yeah, I thought that the topic was so timely. I mean, so like in just my personal life, so at home and, you know, thinking of school and work and just everything that's going on and how how busy we are and how difficult things can be at the time. But then also more so at work, we've been talking a lot about resilience. So I work with obviously lots of nurses and the last year has been super difficult. And so the, the word of the day is resilience. And we, when we talk about it, we actually started getting some, initially we got lots of really good feedback from the nurses about the, the resources that we were kind of like sharing with them about resilience. Mm -hmm. But then coming down, to the, coming down to the end, like more recently, you know, we've been getting feedback saying that, you know, well, they feel like the word resilience is just like getting to be too much of an annoying word to them because it's kind of becoming like a buzzword now. Right, exactly. And so I do think that what you like what you were talking about is so important, because generally, when we think of resilience and how we've been talking about it at work, it's usually or mostly about things that you can do to like, you know, get yourself out of a rut or how you can kind of restore your empty soul. Um, mm -hmm. So like whether it is mindfulness or meditation or whatever, but what's so important and so interesting is how resilience has another big, you know, ingredient. And that's really the support network that you have around you. So how do you, you know, how do you tap into or how, how do the people in your life really kind of support you and help to kind of fill your cup back up? You know, like I said in my sermon, I feel like, you know, you have to have a support system to get through life. And I think that's one of the biggest differences why some people are in jail and, and in, in the prison system. And some people have like best-selling, number one New York Times best-selling books because they had a support system that really got them through it. And somebody believed in them. Right. And for me, like, man, like, I just can't even tell you how many people like growing up have believed in me. I had so many mentors, people who just believed in me, thought that, you know, I could, I, I can like overcome whatever obstacle that I was going through in, in my life. And I'm so grateful that like, I don't have one, I have dozens of them, yeah. you know, so I'm, I'm really, really, really grateful for that. Do you feel like you have, it's the same now as an adult, or do you feel like, like, are those people still around? Like, is your, what is your kind of resiliency support system like now versus when you were, you know, a teenager and everybody was like enamored with you? Yeah, I think, you know, my, so those people who are my, who were my support system as kids, I'm still in contact with. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that they're mentors today. Like I'm still, you know, once or twice a year in contact with them. And I, and I have such great feelings towards them, but I definitely think like the, the roles have reversed. It's like one of those like pay it forward moments where I really am a mentor to many people now, you know, like I really believe in like checking in on people, supporting them, going the extra mile for them. And I really want Wait, to Hold on, you be stuff. checking in on other people? I thought I it was do. just me that you're checking I, in on. Okay. I don't think I want you just like checking in on all kinds of randoms. Yeah, I have like a little like notepad on my phone. It's like check-in list. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Actually, I'm Come not. Come on. No. no, you're on the top of the list, but there's- I, want, I don't want to be on that list. I want, to be, I want to just be a whole separate thing. All right, yeah, I'll move you to your own list. How about yes. that? Yeah, the check-in on list. Yeah, you'd be so, like the no. sick and shut-ins. I don't want to be a sick and shut-in. <laughs> <Here we go. laughs> 
<laughs> You're on the shuttered list. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Ooh. Hey, we've kind of come close to the end of the show. Let's talk about our offering. Offering, offering. So I, to be quite honest, I completely forgot about an offering for this episode. However, I do have one, actually, because um, just this, in the last week or so, I got, I was going through my my junk mail, Mm -hmm. and in the mail came, like, a thank you for donating to the Ronald McDonald House. I think mm-hmm. I talked about this maybe you did. last season at some point. Yeah. And and so they were kind of inviting you to like sign up for like a monthly donation. And I did mm-hmm. actually. And so I I it's like it's nothing. I'm so afraid, just ashamed to even like say the number out loud. But they had options of you could give as little as one dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, twenty dollars. And so I clicked the ten dollar button. So now I am a monthly donator to Ronald McDonald House. Um and I did that this week, not even thinking about about offering and what to tell you guys on on the show. So forgive me for that. But I do think that what you should do is, again, check out Ronald McDonald House if you have not before. And even if it's not that, that you know, um, organization or if there's another one that you want to donate to, consider doing the routine, just automatic withdrawal. It, it definitely works for me because then you don't have to remember it. You just set it and forget it. So, set it and forget it. I yes, love it. So that's my offering this week. Yes. And it's rmhc.org. All right. Well, my offering is going towards the Alzheimer's Association. Um, do you know that until I got married in my late 20s, I thought it was pronounced Alzheimer's. <laughs> so I did not know that. However, nothing about that surprises me. <laughs> and, you know, my immigrant parents. Because your wife really elevated me. <laughs> I mean, like, you were like. <laughs> Well, and for our listener, my wife is a speech pathologist, so you know she like corrected that in a heartbeat, right? Yes. So, no, she my immigrant the most gentle. <laughs> no, my immigrant parents, right? Like, there's certain letters they don't hear, and and so like my whole time, like for example, like a veranda, like mm-hmm. my whole life, I called it veranda because the V and the B in the Indian languages are like are are the same. So I'm like in public going like, oh, I was standing on the veranda. <laughs> with a B. Uh-oh. Yeah. Isn't that horrible? No, I know. Sometimes, Kumar, I feel so sad for you. You know, my wife is... <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you tell me to just jump on in? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Not oh, on this show. Yes. Okay, come here and then talk to the microphone. Yes, no, we want to no. hear. Come in, come in here. They, they, I won't put... Come here. Just no, you're not, on, you're not on video. You won't be on video. We don't do video. Okay, my wife just walked in and, you know, she's a speech pathologist and she's listening in. You know, she doesn't listen to this podcast ever, but all, of a, but all of a sudden she's listening in on the recording of the podcast. Yeah, she's listening to it live. Okay, so Mrs. Dixit, who is a speech pathologist, she's an SLP, CCC. You had to always make sure you include all the, all the initials mm-hmm, behind her mm-hmm. name. Go for it. Tell me about my why I say veranda instead of veranda. And I and literally, Michael, if you were to say like say Alzheimer's right now, Alzheimer's. I heard. I just heard Alzheimer's. I can't hear what? differently in my in my ear. <laughs> oh, right I need to hear um, Michael as oh. well because I'm a little concerned about the faces he's making. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, literally on 
Friday, I went to a speech training for, um, and one of the women, I mean, they're all women, speech pathologists are all women, uh, um, <laughs> or mostly. The rule. <laughs> I, I know one male one in I, California. I, mean, I know one male one as well. Um, but um, a training for, for speech pathologists who work with bilingual and bidialectal populations. So hmm. one of the studies that they cited on Friday is that um, kids or people who are from bilingual backgrounds, even if they don't actually speak the language, but they're exposed to the language, do have different perceptions of the sounds like oh. and veranda. They don't notice that as two different words because in their community, when they talk, someone can say veranda and they know it's veranda because it, it just like, I'm trying to think of one that's more obvious to lots of people like Filipino. If you're imitating a Filipino accent, everybody knows those P's and V's are like yes. are the same. It's yes. because in their language, there is no difference between those two sounds. So those children who are hearing those two words the same for at least five years before they come to school. And if no one has made fun of them yet, they think it's <laughs> yet. <a word> yet. <laughs> um, and that's a difference, not a disorder, not a mistake. It's a difference that you have learned to accept because you can communicate between the two. You're code switching. Basically. Oh, you're code switching. So really, it's a positive, Kumar. It it's is like a, a superpower. Positive. Because then later when you are, if you are, or hopefully everybody is trying to learn at least a little bit of another language, right. you have the ability to kind of go back and forth like that. And you can comfortably talk if you are an Indian. And if, you know, Kumar has never really been in many fully Indian spaces, but if he were to go to Indian church and go ahead and say Baranda and talk in an Indian accent, even though he doesn't, like he could code switch so much better and they would take him seriously. Especially oh, that is the look. You're a case family. study, Kumar. Yes. So but, stop talking about it like it's wrong because we right need to exactly. That it is a difference. It's a difference. Thank you very much. That was Mrs. Dixit, who is a speech pathologist, SLP, CCC. <laughs> Don't forget it. Bro, I'm telling you that she's like the smartest person in this house. Right. Well, I mean, that, well, we knew that. <laughs> That's expected, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is so she, funny, she, though. But I could totally see that. Yeah. I could totally see that you can't hear the difference. Like, it just sounds right. the same to you. Right, right, exactly. So, like, as a kid, when I was in uh, second, first, and second grade, have I told you this? Like, I couldn't say my THs. I and mean, so kids I mean, would be for somebody with a lisp. I, I mean, I still yeah. <laughs> struggle. Yeah. yeah. Like, so kids would love it. They'd be like, Kumar, Kumar, what grade are you going into next year? And I'd say, turd. Like, <laughs> oh, no. Why are you laughing at me? Sorry, that's the difference. It's not, it's not, it's, it's a difference. <laughs> and then they'd be like, Kumar, Kumar, what grade are you in right now? I was like, turd grade. <laughs> Why, this is a question. Why would you answer? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You were so simple. <laughs> I was simple. I was. I was such a simple kid. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Anywho, so did you oh, know one in, God. one in three seniors dies with Alzheimer's? Or oh, that whoa. Dementia? That was a very big shift. <laughs> 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 I, 
I, I, I'm keeping an eye on the clock. I'm like, we're going yes, along. No, so we I, are, gotta... I need to go pack for the beach. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. Did you know one in three seniors dies with Alzheimer's or another dementia? And it kills more than more breast cancer and prostate cancer combined, Michael? I did not know that, actually. Yeah, it's very true. And, you know, my, my grandma actually... Um, died with Alzheimer's as well. And it's just a very, very sad thing, especially when you know people. And, and not just that they have the disease progression, but when you meet people who know that they have it and they've just been diagnosed with it, it's very, very awful. So yeah. my offering today is going towards the Alzheimer's, also known as the Alzheimer's Association. Mm -hmm. Lots it's of people call it that. ALZZ.org. And I would love for you to give something and support the, um, the, the research and the support of this advanced disease. I have given to them before, actually. One time really? donation. Yes. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Um, somebody I knew um, had suffered with Alzheimer's for a while and they passed away. And um, at, well, their funeral, it was, you know, it was like right. the, the org and I did. So no, that's really wonderful. Yes, I'm afraid I'm going to have Alzheimer's because three out of my four grandparents. Oh, so, really? Oh, you're done. You're done. Uh, you, completely done for. Like yeah, you, I, I'm already, yeah. yeah so. You need to start playing words with friends. You need to start <laughs> I don't know if it's going to help. Game pigeon. Game Kovalova. Exactly. What a great oh. show, my friend. Yes. What we a are great show. At the end of our show. Yeah. Why don't you do the closing prayer? The benediction. Yes. So, benediction. So, thinking back to making sure that we are hearing and centering voices from groups that are marginalized. I mean, I think that to me is the big takeaway from, mm. from this episode. Mm -hmm. So, and even the good example of how difficult it is to do that is, you know, Kumar went on a rant for like 10 minutes about this and then wrapped it all up with a quote from Mark Twain. <laughs> so I think that we are so programmed to center, you know, the dominant voices in our society. And I think we need to make an extra effort to like really make sure that we're listening to those the diversity of voices because everybody has a totally different perspective. And I think knowing the different perspectives are so helpful and can actually make us better, well, more well-rounded people. Kind of like how you can hear Baranda and Veranda and they sound the same, that's diversity. Yeah, that's really great. I love how you like totally pull this all into like yes. one circle. <laughs> you have a great gift for that. It's what I do. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fantastic. Hey, go get packing. Have a great trip to the beach and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. You too. I'll miss you. Miss you too. Bye-bye. Alrighty. Bye guys.